0: So about a year and a half or two years ago now, I found a wonderful two-volume collection uh, anthology of 20th century American poetry, and I wanted to see all the people that I had never discovered before, outside of the usual people like Eliot and Stevens and uh, Hart Crane or William Carlos Williams, and it was about 2,000 pages worth of poetry. And some of it wasn't really worth reading at all, and some of it was halfway good. Some of it, especially after reading a lot of British poetry, seemed a little sloppy and unformed, or almost an idea of an American voice trying to find itself, but not quite doing the job. Not finding the free American voice and not doing the more formal kind of British voice very well either. And suddenly, one morning, uh, I still remember it, it was before before 7 a.m., probably before 6 a.m. actually, before my daughter was awake. And I was sitting in the living room with uh, a little lamp on. I didn't want to have too much light in the living room in case it would wake my daughter up. And I was suddenly in, up in the house alone, early in the morning reading the poetry of Hilda Doolittle, also known as H.D., and I was just stunned with each poem, each poem, each poem. They must have had a dozen or maybe as many as 15 or 20 poems of hers in this anthology, and I was struck by them immediately. And it took a while, but I finally got a copy of her collected poems, 1912 to 1944 and I've been working my way through them. And even though her this collected poems, which isn't even all of her poetry, it's just all of her poetry up to 1944, even though there is uh, an awful lot you can put to the side, when she's on, she's on. And especially with these two poems, again, as I said, uh, with uh, other poems I've excerpted from her, she shows the way forward, Uh, not just with rhyme in those earlier poems that I read, but also shows anyone, anyone at all, how it is to handle mythology in a modern poem. And these, if you can call them uh, love poems, these are two love poems by H.D., and they make uh, that much more of a difference, as I said earlier, also in a Episode on Whitman, it matters so much where you read. And it so happens that I first read these poems yesterday while sitting in the uh, car dealership waiting for my car to be fixed. And if we take Whitman uh, Whitman's phrase uh, at its at its other meaning, it also matters where you read them out loud. Whitman would probably say, it matters where you record for your podcast. I've recorded this and the readings uh, in the parking lot of a grocery store, waiting for my uh, food to come out, my groceries. And I've recorded it in the parking lot of the car dealership, waiting for my car to be done. And I've recorded this introduction twice Uh, in the parking lot of a furniture store, and I had to record it twice because the first time, right near the end when I thought I was done, a dog started barking at a nearby animal hospital. So these are the travails of reading poetry, reading poetry out loud, and no doubt of writing poetry. And this is how we unearth poems like HD or any poems at all that suddenly make the day. Here are two poems, by H.D. Eras, by H.D. Where is he taking us? now that he has turned back. Where will this take us, this fever spreading into light? Nothing we have ever felt, nothing we have dreamt or conjured in the night or fashioned in loneliness can equal this. Where is he taking us, Eros, now that he has turned back? My mouth is wet with your life. My eyes blinded with your face, a heart itself which feels the intimate music. My mind is caught, dimmed with it. Where is love taking us? My lips are wet with your life. In my body were pearls cast, shot with Ionian tints, purple, vivid through the white. Keep love and he wings with his bow up mocking us. Keep love and he taunts us and escapes. Keep love and he sways apart in another world, out distancing us. Keep love and he mocks. Ah, bitter and sweet. Your sweetness is more cruel than your hurt. Honey and salt, fire, burst from the rocks to meet fire, spilt from Hesperus. Fire darted aloft and met fire. And in that moment, love entered us. Could Eros be kept? He was prisoned long since and sick with imprisonment. Could Eros be kept? Others would have taken him and crushed out his life. Could Eros be kept? We had sinned against the great God. We too might have prisoned him outright. Could Eros be kept? Nay, thank him and the bright goddess that he left us. Ah, love is bitter and sweet, but which is more sweet, the bitterness or the sweetness? None has spoken it. Love is bitter, but can salt taint sea flowers, grief, happiness? Is it bitter to give back love to your lover if he crave it? is it bitter to give back love to your lover if he wish it for a new favorite who can say or is it sweet is it sweet to possess utterly or is it bitter bitter as ash i had thought myself frail a petal with light equal on leaf under leaf i had thought myself frail a lamp shell ivory or crust of pearl, about to fall shattered with flames spent. I cried, I must perish. I am deserted in this darkness an outcast, desperate. Such fire rent me with Hesperus. Then the day broke. What need of a lamp when day lightens us? What need to bind love when love stands with such radiant wings over us. What need, yet to sing love, love must first shatter us. Envy, by H.D. I envy you your chance of death, how I envy you this. I am more covetous of him, even than of your glance. I wish more from his presence, though he tonsure me in a grasp terrible and tense. Though he clasp me in an embrace that is set against my will, and rack me with his measure, effortless yet full of strength, and slay me in that most horrible contest. Still, how I envy you your chance. Though he pierce me with his lust, iron, fever, and dust, though beauty is slain when I perish, I envy you death. What is beauty to me? Has she not slain me enough? Have I not cried in agony of love, birth, hate, and pride crushed? What is left after this? What can death loose in me after your embrace, your touch? Your limbs are more terrible to do me hurt. What can death mar in me that you have not? What can death send me that you have not? You gathered violets, you spoke. Your hair is not less black nor less fragrant, nor in your eyes is less light. Your hair is not less sweet With purple in the lift of locks. Why were those slight words And the violets you gathered Of such worth? How I envy you, death! What could death bring More black, more set with sparks to slay, To affright, than the memory Of those first violets, The chance-lift of your voice, the chance-blinding frenzy as you bent. Could I have known that you were more male than the sun-god, more hot, more intense? Could I have known? For your glance, all enfolding, sympathetic, was selfless as a girl's glance. Could I have known? I, whose heart, being rent, cared nothing, was unspeakably... Indifferent. So the goddess has slain me, for your chance smile and my scarf unfolding, as you stooped to it. So she trapped me, for the upward sweep of your arm, as you lifted the veil, was the gesture of a tall girl, and your smile was as selfless. Could I have known? Nay, spare pity, though I break crushed under the goddess's hate, though I fall beaten at last, so high have I thrust my glance up into her presence. Do not pity me, spare that, but how I envy you, your chance of death. Any comments or suggestions for readings I should make in future episodes can be emailed to